your papers. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 43. The reason I said that, because I just got that back because the screen was cracked. So, but, but my cover, my cover protected it. Thank the Lord. <coughs> I'm going to set this right here. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little sidetracked because I dropped things. <clears throat> it is a privilege to be able to come to you tonight and to be able to preach. I was praying uh, to the Lord about what to preach, and I came up for practice because I was going to play drums at uh, the Beast Feast, and then he really didn't need me because he had justice here. Don't you think justice is doing a good job? I'm serious. You're lucky to have this guy. He plays guitar, he plays piano, he helps out the youth. They took him out of the youth Wednesday night to help in the, was it children's? So, man, God's got you right here serving, man. That's great. It's good to see our young people doing stuff. And let me tell you, coming from a youth pastor's perspective, that's what we want. We want our young people to serve right now. Not when they get older, because if you wait till you get older, you're never going to serve. So you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, Justice. So praise God that you're doing it. Hopefully you can be an example to others. I want to talk to you tonight about kind of like the song, Another in the Fire, but if I had to to name my message, I would call it Another in the Trial. We go through trials, we go through tribulation, we go through temptations, we go through all kinds of things in ministry, in our lives, and sometimes we don't know why God has us here. Amen? But God is working. I've seen God work through my life. There's many times if I, could have, if I could have chosen, I'd have had God pull me right out of that situation and put me somewhere else. But then I look back from those situations, and then I see God working behind the scenes. And when I come out, I find out that I needed to go through that situation because God had a plan. And God has a plan, church. I believe that God is doing something right now here at Bethany Baptist Church. I am from Shreveport, Louisiana, and I'm hearing great things happening here at Bethany Baptist Church. Tonight, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here on Sunday nights. You guys are the workers. You guys are the backbone of the church, and that's a good thing. God wants to use you. And when we go through trials and we go through things in our lives, remember, God is with us. And that's what I want to look at tonight. Look at Isaiah 43, verse number 1. And yes, I am going to tell stories about Jonathan tonight. I have it in my note, John. Okay. It says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. He says, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. He says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I come before you right now, God, and I beg, God, that you will speak to your people tonight. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will come down, God, and God, that you will show us, Lord, that you are with us. Father, through the fires and the waters, God, through all the trials and the things that we go through in our life, Father, that we know, God, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Help us, Father, manifest yourself before us tonight. May we truly see Jesus, God, 
Continue to guide us and lead us, Father, through the dark times, through the troubled times, Lord. And may we trust in you, Father, and not lean to our own understanding. Father, I pray that you will give me the strength, the words to say tonight, Father. I beg you, Lord, that they will not see this poor servant of God here, Father, but that they will see Jesus tonight. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, and I pray, God, that if there's a soul here that does not know you as their Savior, that tonight would be the night of their salvation. Revive us as a people, Lord, and may we go out and show the world what the gospel is, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. First of all, I thought about this verse as I believe it or not, I was sitting on this front row. The Bible says this. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So many times us as Christians, we try to do things out of our own strength and our own power. And then we fail and we wonder, where was God? But the problem is, is we're not doing things according to the power of God. Because if we did, we would be conquerors. God is able to do great things. What you see in a lot of churches today are people trying to do gimmicks and games and things in order to attract people. But you know what we need? We just need Jesus. We just need to follow God. We need to take this Bible and do exactly what it says. And if we'll do that in our individual Christian walk with God every day, God will do something in the church. That's what Paul said. He says, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. The problem with most Christians today is, you know what? We're not using the instruction manual. We're not looking to what God wants us to do. I always tell my boys, I said, you know what? You know what your relationship with God's like? It's like when you pray, you're telling God what you want. But when you don't read your Bible, it's just a one-way street with God. I mean, and with you. See, sometimes we, we tell God things and we expect him to just answer us. We're looking for him to call down and be like, Joshua, this is what you need to do. But that's not the way it is. God speaks to us daily through his word. And we need to be in the word of God for direction, for guidance, so that God can strengthen us, encourage us. You never know the blessing that you're missing because you're not studying the word of God. Now, Matthew Henry said this about this passage right here. He says, the contents of this chapter are much the same with those of the foregoing chapters. He says, looking at the release of the Jews out of their captivity, but looking through that and beyond that to the great work of man's redemption by Jesus Christ and the grace of the gospel which through him believers partake of. It's true that he's speaking to Israel, but we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished into all good works. So even in these Old Testament times, God still wants to speak to us. And from my idea and what I've seen and going through certain things myself, Jesus doesn't want us to be afraid. He says here, he said, God is reminding them not to fear. And we're going to look at a few of these passages, okay? First of all, he says, I formed thee. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5, God comes to this young prophet with a great task. Could you imagine, Justice, if God came to you and said, Hey, listen, Justice, I want you to go to Louisiana And I want you to tell them that they're sinning and they're not living for me and you're going to go tell them. But when you tell them justice, they're not going to listen. What about you, Stevie? Could you imagine that? 
No one's going to listen to what you have to say. Wouldn't that be awful? As a preacher, I have to tell you what we want. And when we're preaching, we want people to get saved. Amen, Brother Marvin? I want to see people saved all the time. I want you to go out this week, bring more people in so more people can get saved. That is the task of the church. But could you imagine being the young prophet Jeremiah and God coming to him and he says this, he says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. He says, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, he says, I sanctified thee. In other words, I set you apart for one specific purpose. Justice has a purpose here. You have a purpose here. All of us as Christians have a purpose. Are we fulfilling that purpose? Jeremiah wasn't excited. He wasn't like happy, like, all right, yes, we're going to go, we're going to go. Lead people to the Lord. He wasn't excited like that. He was afraid. He got scared. And you look down in verse number 8, he says, Be not afraid of their faces. Sometimes as preachers, we get afraid of your faces. You are not always pretty to preach to. When you are down, listen, we don't see the one going, Man, he's doing good today. We see the one slumped down in their chairs like, Oh my gosh. This is torture. I told my favorite preacher when I was a teenager, I used to sit in the pew. His name was Johnny Pope, and he preached. That preacher would preach for hours, and it felt like it. When I got in the Word of God and began to search God out, he'd come and preach. It felt like 10 minutes went by. One day I saw him. I said, I remember you coming to my church when I was a teenager. I used to think, oh, my goodness, Lord, will you ever shut up? He laughed like, I'm going to tell my church that tonight. He said, some things never change. He was afraid. He said, but God strengthened. He says, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. One of my favorite verses in the Bible when I'm going through times, I think about Jeremiah 33, 3. Everybody quotes this. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But if you look up in the previous verses, Jeremiah sitting in prison for preaching and doing what God told him to do. God never promised this church that it was going to be easy. He never said it's going to be fun. You will never receive persecution. I'm going to give you mansions and cars and stuff. No, on the other hand, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Woo! Amen? We get to go to heaven. When I became a youth pastor, my, my pastor came. He said, listen, I can't give you and offer you a lot of things, but let me tell you, the benefits are out of this world. He was on the phone. He goes, literally, Josh, you got to die to get them. We are promised persecution, not, pro- not, not riches and, and love and compassion. People are going to hate us sometimes, but we can't control what people do. I used to think when I was a kid, and I told the teens this Wednesday night, I used to think that by, by winning people, Lord, I was going to get rewarded. It's better than that. Because I can't save anybody. I get rewarded just for delivering the message of Jesus. Whether they receive it or not, the difference is I love them and I want them to receive it. I believe Jeremiah loved his people, and that's why it was so hard for him. But God said, fear not. I, I quote this to my kids all the time when they're scared. Last night, uh, Enoch didn't want, I'm glad he's not here. He didn't want to go to the bathroom and take a shower because we have a window there. You can't see in the window or nothing, but he thinks somebody's looking at him. And so he walks over there. He didn't want to go to his room, to, to my room, to get the towel because he didn't want to turn the light on. 
So I walked, I stood at the end of the hallway, just kind of, and he's 10. I was like, oh, my God. And I was standing there, and he, like, ran in there. He ran out of the room. He was, <laughs> I was like, what are you afraid of? And he came up. I said, son, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, there's great power with God, and I believe that's what he's showing in this passage. God often reminded them not to be afraid. One time, here it comes, John. <coughs> I am a scaredy cat. Anybody, could you look at me and tell that? Most people are scared of me when they look at me because I look like I'm doing this all the time. When I had to wear glasses and I wouldn't wear them, I looked mad because I was trying to see. I was like, all right? They think I look mean. I had a guy I worked with. He said, you look mean because you've got the shaved head. You've got the rough look on your face. I could be a scaredy cat. Jonathan. Jonathan was not always scared. One time, I left my wallet at my friend's house. He loves this story. This is true, by the way, by what he says. So we go up there. It, it had to be. He, he looks like a hero here, okay? But listen, went to my friend's house because I left my wallet. And I'm afraid of dogs I don't know, especially big ones. This certain family member, it was my, my friend's girlfriend's house, and we were going there, and I knew that they had chows. And chows can be mean. I hate chows. And so uh, and if you love chows, I'm sorry, but they just they look like lions, like mini lions. So I thought, well, we'll go through the other drive. We live out in the country. These are country people, Okay. So we go out, we go out this other driveway. Remember, it's a gravel driveway. And I was like, we'll go that way. We'll bypass the animals. So we walk out there, and we, start, we hop the fence, and we're walking. And we never saw a dog. When we're walking up the driveway, getting close to the house, there's this humongous ram. And he's got the curled horns. He's got so much stuff hanging off of him. It looks like he hadn't been washed in years. And he's standing there, and I get scared. Because he's looking at me, okay? So I grab my brother behind the shoulders, and I go, what are we going to do? I'm afraid, okay? So John, being the brave soul he is, he picks up this humongous log. I'm, I'm, it's got to be about, about that big, guys. He picks up this humongous log, and he goes, well, we'll hit it if it comes close. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think he's going to charge. And he started doing one of those, you know, like that, he's getting, putting his head down. And I was like, he's going to come and get us. <laughs> a lot of this was probably in my mind, okay? There's nothing around us except two trees that shoot straight up. I promise the branches were probably up there. And I was like, what are we going to do? And he goes, I don't know, but why are you pushing me? And so I had him. I was like, oh, my gosh. He charges. I said, he's going to hit us. And I shove him in front of me, and he makes contact like a baseball player, and the wood shatters into a thousand pieces as I'm running away. <laughs> Y'all ever seen Looney Tunes when they're standing straight like this and they flip over about three times? John goes flipping about three times and he's out. I'm fine. When he wakes up, he doesn't even use his arms. He's laying on his back and he goes, oh, and he looks up in that tree and I'm up there holding it. And I'm laughing, and I go, John, are you okay? And Jonathan gets scared now, and he jumps up, and he runs behind the trees. And he goes, how in the world did you get up there? And I told him, y'all, fear. 
I watched Jonathan climb that next tree beside me, and we sat up there for a couple hours yelling my friend's name, Corey! And we finally jumped out, and he ran us out. But I was afraid. We get afraid. We get into bad situations that we don't know how to get out of. But listen, church, God knows, and he is able. We serve a great and mighty and powerful God. If you look at Joshua 1.9, he says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good, a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you whithersoever you go. God is with us. One of my favorite verses that the Lord always uses in my life, uh, Abraham goes and he does something great. He delivers his, his nephew Lot out of the hands of his enemy. And he gets afraid, thinking about a retaliation from these people. And he gets alone and God comes to him and he says, Hey, listen, he says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto uh, Abraham in a vision and said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. We don't have to fear when God is with us because He is our Redeemer. I, he says, I have redeemed thee. That word redeem in the Hebrew is gael, and it says, it says it's translated redeemed, has reference to the payment of the ransom. It implies that the deliverance from Egypt, Egypt took place by the ransom of the blood of the Lamb. Or was in any case a type of it. To call a person by his name in scripture often has the rich meaning of intimate acquaintance as the love of two lovers. Thus the good shepherd knows his sheep by name. The text refers to the close covenantal relationship at Horeb where the Lord by virtue of the covenant of grace said, Thou art unto me a peculiar people. Notice in our text he says, because the reason why he says, I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. We belong to God. Did you ever notice in the book of Job? The angels come up, the demons, and they're looking at God, and Satan comes up, and God says, hey, what do you think about Job, my servant? Did you notice through that book, the devil could do nothing to Job Unless he got permission. And see, the, th the reason he had to get permission, the reason God let him, God knew exactly what Job could take. He says, he'll never tempt you more than you're able to, to, to do. We fail in those temptations because we're not being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. If we want to be mighty, we have to be in Jesus. As the pastor was talking about, those who are in Christ are a new creature. Our problem is, is we're not getting in Christ. Christ is the Word. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be in prayer with God. We need to be in the church of God. You want to see a, a, a person who's in the Word of God, who's in prayer? I promise you, they're going to want to be at church. These people that are unfaithful, if they can't come to the house of God and hear a message about Jesus and, and get excited about what God's doing here at Bethany Baptist, what makes you think they're going to go home and get excited about the Word of God? You might be thinking, wow, what a jerk. Why would you say that? It's the truth. When we, don't, when we can't come and worship God, listen, God has sanctified this place, sanctified us as a people to come together. Where if you are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of thee. The greatest thing happens when the church is united in prayer together. He wants unity in his church. He says, I have called thee by thy name. God has us. To call by one's name means here to admit in close relationship as when we are adopted by God to be his children. 
You want to get on my nerves? Just mess with one of my boys. One of my sons, he was getting picked on at school, and I got to see the little kid. You know what I'm talking about. Just want to when the parent's not looking, just. That's just the way you feel. I was a youth pastor, so I was trying to be nice. So I got down there, and I was like, hey, listen. Why are you picking on my son? You need to be nice to him, okay, because it's upsetting me. I was nice. I was gentle. But, you know, you don't feel like doing that. Can you imagine how God feels when you're, when you're being mean to one of his children? God loves us. If we love our kids that way, how much more will our Heavenly Father love us and protect us and take care of us? God is there for us. We just need to look. God wants to do something great. First uh, Corinthians 6.20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We need to glorify God. Listen, Church, we have to see the goal. The goal is to bring other people to Jesus. That doesn't just miraculously happen in a believer's life. First, we have to realize what Jesus has done for us. One of the best things I ever did in youth ministry was drive a church van. I did it the whole time. Church van? Any church van? I know I got two. Any more church van drivers in here? Anybody? Just those? Oh, there we go. Those are special people. You need to love on them. I still remember going sometimes and picking up kids. And we always had, we, we, there's always that one kid that doesn't bathe. You could tell when he took a shower. We had this one, I mean, my wife, she loved him too. But sometimes it was like this. Okay? And I told Shannon one day, because she rolled out a window, she, she tried not to make a scene or anything. And I was like, she's like, how can you do that? How can you take that? I said, because I remember... I was smelly with sin, and I was dirty, and I was the left out one, and Jesus saved me, and he cleansed me and washed me away. I mean, when we think about it that way, God loves them. Why shouldn't we love them as the church? Number two, you see the promise to protect. Let's look in our text at verse number two. This is my favorite. I was going to preach on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was telling your pastor, had everything done by Thursday. I was like, yes, I'm ready for the weekend. Yesterday, the Lord's like, you need to preach this one. Huh. He got my message, Lord. And he just stayed on me, and I was telling my dad, and he said, sometimes the Lord does that. Even Brother, Rand, uh, Brother Marvin says, like, yeah, sometimes God does that. But listen, this, this one of my favorite verses is, when thou passeth through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, he said, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. He does not promise Israel that he will keep him from going into the fire or going into the water. On the contrary, he predicts that she will enter the fire and the water and the trials and the temptations. But as Psalms 37, 25 says, he says, I have been young and now I'm old yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. In other words, I am going to be with you through those temptations, through those trials. God is with us, so we don't have to be afraid. It wasn't enough to think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. But it was like Moses. Look with me over at Exodus chapter 14 real quick. Exodus chapter 14, verse number 13. Moses had begun to do a great work for the Lord, just like you see here, okay? Um, God was doing something great. Like he was in Jeremiah's life. 
like he was in David's life. And, and, he, and he was following God and he was doing what he was supposed to. And all of a sudden he comes up to the wilderness. He's got a mountain on this side. He's got a mountain on this side. Here comes the enemy with the most mightiest men and chariots. He comes to a dead end and there's a humongous river here. And he looks at the people. Because they begin to weep and cry and say, God is going to bring us out here to kill us. Don't we do that sometimes? Lord, why have you put me here? I was doing what you wanted. So Moses does what many of us preachers do. He goes, guys, it's going to be okay. God has this. And then he returned to his office and he got down on his knees and he started crying and said, Lord, what do we do? I was a youth pastor. They've heard this before. I had a, a youth, uh, youth named Jonah. Y'all remember Jonah, don't you, uh, Miss Jan? We took him to BBC for college days. My wife couldn't go with me, so I had some older teens with me and stuff. And we took him, and so we're in the car. And one of the, my main counselors, his name was Jonah. He just came out of my youth, began to work. I mean, he was great, okay? And he looked up to me. I was discipling him and didn't even know it. And he's in the front seat. Well, on the way back from BBC, first of all, we had to rip out the top of the van so it was just metal. There's no stuff because it was sagging down. Well, so it's just tin up there. On the way home, it held on us three times. Not lying. And it starts hailing, and I got, I, got, I got guys, I got girls, I got my counselors in the car, and everybody is scared to death, including Jonah, who's sitting next to me. And I look back, and I was like, guys, because the girls started crying. I said, girls, girls, it's going to be okay, because it was hailing really hard. There was nothing to go under or nothing. We're out in the middle of nowhere. And so I turned around, guys, it's going to be okay. It's just a little hail. It's not going to break the windows. We're in this. We're safe. Okay. And Jonah looked relieved, like, we are going to be okay. And you know, like I do, Brother Marvin, when we're in, I got other people in charge, we want them to help bear the burden, Okay. So everybody gets quiet, including Jonah's little brother. And I lean over to Jonah. I was like, and he leaned over in the van. I went, what are we going to (laughs) do? Not lying. I was afraid. Moses was trying to encourage the people, but Moses was afraid. Verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians who you've seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? See, he didn't do what he said he was going to do there. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch, it, stretch thine hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on the dry ground through the midst of the sea. Can you imagine the sight? Moses comes up to the water, takes his arms, and spreads it. Listen, church, Moses wasn't powerful. Moses didn't do anything but move a stick in the air. God pushed back that water. And with little effort, and they walked through on dry ground. And in the same instance in saving Israel that day, he destroyed the enemies of God. We serve a great God. He says there in our passage, when you go through the waters, he says, they will not overflow thee. When you pass through the fire, he says, they shall not burn thee, neither shall it kindle upon thee. 
He would never forsake them even though they feared because of their sin. We get afraid because we're in sin. You look at a man who's triumphing for God, who's being faithful and strong and moving forward, I promise you, he is talking to the Lord on a regular basis. He's got a relationship with God. We fear because we allow sin to set in. We allow that fear to come in. God has not given us that spirit of fear, so it's got to come from somewhere else. That's why it's important, as Paul said in Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Romans 8.31, he says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let me tell you, nobody can be against us. Nobody will ever defeat God. He is able and he is strong. As Paul said, he says, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We need to be persuaded. He says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He goes on there and he says, Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep as the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Notice it didn't say you're conquerors through yourself. He didn't say that you're conquerors through your power. No, you are conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Christ has us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in... uh, I believe it is Revelation 1.16, since I get the reference messed up, where it says that Jesus stands up there with the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars in his hand. You find out that those seven stars are the seven angels, the seven pastors of the seven churches. Holds us in his hand. I don't think I could do this if I didn't think God had me in his hands, Brother Marvin. Listen, Christians, God has you. If you are in Christ, he's got you. You don't have to be afraid. When you feel like God's calling you to witness to somebody, don't be afraid. That's that's of Satan. Remember, God has you. Go out and speak that truth. Give them the gospel. So many times we fail in witnessing. Not because we've tried, but because we were afraid and we stayed silent. I often wondered if sometimes when the Bible says, Thou shalt wipe away the tears from their eyes, I always thought, Why are people crying in heaven? Maybe God's showing us the people we came in contact with. Maybe we're seeing those who we saw on this earth being cast into hell because we are silent. The Bible says that we will suffer great loss, but we will be saved yet as by fire when our works are burned up. I wonder what kind of works he's talking about. He's already saved us from sin. 
I believe it's the things that we have not done for him that were in our power. Psalm 66, 12, he says, Thou hast caused me to ride, caused them, the men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One of my favorite things, in fact, if we can, I'd like to look there. Look at, uh, look at Daniel chapter number 3. Going the right way. <clears throat> Daniel chapter number three and verse number 13. Sometimes it's hard to take a stand for God, especially when you know that you're living in such an evil time that people don't get, they have no reverence for God. Let me tell you, things have completely changed since I was a teenager. I remember knocking on doors and everybody was a Christian, everybody went to church. We are living in one of those godliest, godless societies America has ever seen. There is no fear of God. At this time, these three men were the only ones ready to take a stand for God. Verse number 13 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and his fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Verse number 15. Now, if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sounds of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if we worship not, ye shall not be, ye shall be cast, I'm sorry, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? If you don't be, do what I say, guys, I'm going to burn you alive in the furnace. I remember being a kid, I thought, you know what I would say? I'd be like, you know what, fine, I'll do it. And I would just lie. But you can't do that. This whole situation was to show the mightiness of God. And they believed that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed that, that God was going to do something. Look at verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, and his form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake to the com and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them in to the burning, fiery furnace. It was so hot that those men that threw them in there died after they threw them in there. That's how hot it was. I was doing some studying and I found out in the Apocrypha it says that it went up 42 feet higher than the furnace. That's how hot it was. That's a hot fire, isn't it? They didn't even strip them of their things. He wanted it to be a disgust to what they had done against his God. Boy, were they surprised. 
you find out in this passage? Look at verse number 27. And the prince and the governors and the captains and king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power nor was their hair of their head sins, neither were their coats charged, and look at this, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. God completely covered them that not even the smoke could touch them. God has us, church. God is able to do some great things through his people. I believe he wants to do something through you. Not through our pastor. I believe your pastor, God's already working in his life. God wants to do something in your life because it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. We just have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might because God is with us and he will not leave us nor will he forsake us. Jesus was forsaken so we didn't have to be. If you're not following Jesus tonight, let's start following. I believe you can be saved and not following Jesus. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. What are you going to do for the Lord? The Bible says to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. I believe that God wants to do something in, in your life. But first, you're going to have to surrender to him. I believe that there's many things to do still in this church. God has taken some of you and he's putting a special ability and a call in your life. What are you doing for the church to, to, to attract people, to do more, to, to get the name of Jesus out? When he says the, the gospel's just what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a pastor. All you have to do is go tell your story of what Jesus has done in your life. Are you doing that? Are you afraid to do that? God said, fear not. We're going to stand with every head bowed, every eye closed. Please, nobody looking around. The band's going to come and listen. This is the most important part of the service because this is the time where you get to react to what Jesus is talking to you about in your life. Christians, we got quite, quite a goal to accomplish here. I want to see this place. I want to see my city come to Jesus. Don't you? How are we going to do it? If you're here tonight, maybe first of all, you're not saved. As a pastor preached maybe today, you didn't didn't react in the way that you were supposed to. I remember that. I was a pastor's kid. I was scared to death. I hated invitation. Man, every time it came, I did exactly what uh, Brother Marvin said. I gripped that pew. I started sweating. I thought, I can't wait till this time is over. Thank God the Holy Spirit didn't leave me alone. If that's you today and you're not sure where you're going to, where you're going to go when you die, or else you are sure that if you died right now, you know for sure you'd go to hell. Then what are you waiting for? Jesus loves you, and he wants to save you. If that's you tonight, I want to ask you to do something. Please, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, just go into a posture of prayer. If that's you tonight and you can't say with 100% certainty, if I died right now, I'd know I'd go to heaven. Would you do something for me? I'm not going to come out there. I don't even know your names, most of you. I just want you to raise your hand and say, Brother Josh, I want you to pray for me in just a second. 
I'm not sure. Is there anybody out there? Thank you. Christians, this was for us tonight. May we go out with the strength and the power of God this week and deliver the gospel of Jesus. Some of you have friends, co-workers, family members that you know, they're not sure where they're going to spend their eternity. Let's pray for them tonight. In a second, we're going to have a moment of invitation. Let's fill this altar and lift up our voices and cry, Lord, save me. Make me a witness. Make me a testimony. Help me not to. I'm going to pray. Then the altar's